Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I very much appreciate the spirit of the Lord that we feel here tonight. I um, was thinking about that song that as we were singing, and it is amazing how true those words are. No matter, I was thinking of my own life, no matter the highs and the lows that I've been through, there isn't a bad time, a rough time, a trial, a storm, a mountain, a valley that I would trade for a level plane because I've learned, you know what? He's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of the storm. He's the God where I am, where I was, where I'm going. There's nothing too big for my God through it all. And I was so blessed today as well. Um, I want to echo Brother Shane's sentiments in being blessed by the testimony that we heard this morning. Um, this is real life. What's wonderful about the Lord is he says, this is a day-to-day -day thing. It's not something that we have to limit our relationship with him to a Sunday and a Wednesday and a corporate prayer once a month and a men and ladies care group. He said, I can be with you in the worst hospital room on your darkest day. I can be there. I will be there with you when you're stranded on the side of the road. I'll be there when you get good news. I'll be there when you get bad. I'll be there on your job through it all, Amen. through it all. And, and I was thinking, Lord, if you are so good to know me and to be with me through it all, how am I supposed to be known as yours by everyone else? And so tonight I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about how I'm known. How I'm known. And we know we are growing apostolic legacy. Growing meaning we're continuing on. We're not dying. We're, we're moving forward. We're building. We're alive. Apostolic, we know what we believe. We know the doctrine. Legacy, we're continuing from the past. We are well-rooted and established. And all of those points come together in knowing how I am known. And so this first section... The first way that we know, and I'm sure you're all thinking of this verse, is you'll know them by their fruits. And as I was thinking about what does it mean to be known by my fruit, and then thinking of the verses in Galatians about our fruit, my fruit are my attitudes, my thoughts, my feelings. Those are things that I bear. And in fact, I read a story once about a king who didn't have any heirs. And so he said, I'm going to pick an heir from my, the children of my kingdom. And so he gave all of the kids seeds and said, I want you to grow these seeds. And the, the child who comes up with the best plant, those are, that's going to be the one to inherit the throne. Well, you know, time went by and the kids came in after the allotted time and there were great big beautiful bushes and wonderful displays of flowers and plants and just great things and one little girl came in with an empty pot with nothing but dirt in it and he said you're going to be my heir because what he didn't tell everyone was that the seeds that he had provided had been scorched they'd been damaged 
And so while all the other children were like, hey, I'm just going to get some new seeds. We're just going to get some new growth. This one little girl said, I'm going to be honest enough to try to grow what he gave me. And so he said, that's the one. And so when we're talking about our fruit, the Lord has given us good seed that's supposed to produce in our lives, that's supposed to bear fruit in our lives. Go ahead to our next verse, Sister Kelsey. Matthew 7, uh, 7 verses 16 through 20. And ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. The output of my thoughts, my feelings, my attitudes. You say, what, is the, what are those fruits? But the fruit, it's one fruit. One fruit that produces all of these attributes. Next slide. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. What are you saying? What I am supposed to clothe my thoughts and my feelings in First and foremost has to be love. That's like the core of the fruit of the Spirit. If I don't have love, I'm in trouble. Because love says, in the midst of where I'm at, in the midst of sorrow, I can have joy. Because I love you so much, I know you're going to turn my mourning into dancing. And when I've been operating in love and joy, you know what? There's peace because I'm not afraid of whatever happens. If, if the Lord, if I perish, I perish. That's what Job said. And yet he wasn't afraid of it. He said, it's all right. It's, it's going to be okay. I've got peace about it. Why? Because I'm so in love and I've got such a joy being in his presence. Peace. It's going to be all right. And that peace works long-suffering. Long That's patience. I'll endure it to the end, however long that is. However long I have to go on this journey, I'll endure it because I'm so in love and he's given me such joy and I have such peace. You know what? I can wait. That's all right. Waiting's hard though. Yeah. It is hard. It is hard, but that's when we have to get back to the heart of the matter and say, you know what? I love you through it all. And more importantly, you love me through it all. Even when I'm off track, he still loves me. Even when I've messed up, he still loves me. Even when I've crossed the line, he still loves me. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's all how do I respond in my day-to-day? -day? How do I respond when somebody cuts me off on the road, and I'll be honest, sometimes my prayers, Lord bless them, they're idiots. So I feel like it's only halfway there. Right? It's just me being real. Maybe y'all are, are y'all probably got it whipped. I don't quite have it yet. 
you know, zap them in Jesus' name so that they get off the road for their own safety. <laughs> and also so that I can get where I'm going. It's a double blessing, y'all. It's a double blessing. But he said, all of these things, that starts internal. Fruit is only produced if the plant is mature enough to grow it. Fruit is only produced and suitable to eat if it stays on the tree long enough to get ripe. So fruit takes time. And it's one tree at a time. One tree might be ready sooner than another. One piece of fruit on that tree might be ready sooner than another. You say, well, I'm really working good in the love thing, but I'm really struggling in the long suffering. So does that mean we cut down the whole tree? No, that means you keep working on that tree. You keep growing on that tree. And remember, the Lord said this is a collaborative work. I, I heard another joke. I'm sure you, you guys have heard it too, where there was a farmer in a field and, you know, the, the first time he had the field, he first bought it. It was overgrown. It was a hot mess. It was just tangled up weeds. And he worked and worked and he finally got it and it produced wonderful crop. And the minister came by and said, ah, look what the Lord has done for you. And he said, me and the Lord did a great job because when it was just the Lord's field, it was overgrown. You say, oh, well, is that, is that tongue-in-cheek? Is that flippant? No, because the Lord wants us to have a hand in it. We get to have a part in our own growth. That's so wonderful. That's so exciting. Because that means that I can, if I want a fruit, I can have it. He says, there's nothing that's going to separate you. There's nothing that's going to keep you from getting it. If you want it, Reach out and get it. You can own that. That's very encouraging. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I was very encouraged by it. And he said, and in that process, you recognize, you know what? If I'm going to produce some things, I'm going to have to prune back some others. And he said, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. We've laid it back. We've cut it back. We've pruned it. It makes no sense in my brain, maybe it does in y'all's, but it makes no sense in my brain that if you cut a plant back, it produces more. And yet you ask any gardener about the importance of pruning and everyone will say, oh yes, it's essential. You can't just let things run wild. There has to be some structure. There has to be some cutback. There has to be some, you know what? We're going to trim the fat a little here. We're going to tighten it up there. And we're going we're gonna to grow some things here. We're going to fertilize some things here. We're going to uproot some things here. He said, that's part of the process of producing in my heart, in my thoughts, in my attitude. I don't know about you, but there have been some people at my... Um, work and, and as I've traveled and all that, where you look at them and you don't even have to say anything to them, but you immediately feel like, you know what, I think, I think you need some time with Jesus. Your face is like, it's a real intense thunder face right now. Like, and I hope you're just concentrating, but don't injure yourself. You know, because they're just 
unhappy. But the Lord said, you know what? If you start growing some things internally with me, you start working on some things with me, before you know it, your very countenance is going to change. You're not even going to realize it. And then you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to be like, you know what? It is a beautiful day. You say, well, it's raining right now. Yeah, but you know what? The Lord is the Lord of the rain too. And we need some rain sometimes through it all. By this, all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you keep on showing love amongst yourselves. What does that mean? Those times where I'm, I'm tired and I'm irritable and I'm frustrated and I, I just, I'm snapping and all of that. And my family says, you know what? She's tired. It's not an excuse. She needs to tighten it up. But we love her. We're going to forgive her. Is, does anybody here get hangry? Amen. I saw a shirt went that said, um, forgive me what I said when, when, for what I said when I was hangry. And I debated purchasing it. I didn't because I was like, I can't use that. It's not an excuse. I need to not say that. But the truth of the matter is love says, you know what? You had a bad attitude or you had a bad response or you stepped on my toes or you hurt my feelings or whatever. But at the end of the day, I love you because you love him and he loves both of us and I want to make it to heaven with you. That's how the world knows. That's how the world knows who I am, how I'm known, because I love the body that I'm with. And so that all starts internally. And then what I thought was fascinating about the Lord, go on to the next slide. Not only does he know what we are known by our fruit, so those internal things that we produce, but he said, you're also known by how you run. Now, this shocked me because I did not know that there was a right way to run and a wrong way to run. You know, we're doing the run with fire. These are things that I have learned. There is a right way to run and there is a wrong way to run. Right ways include you run on the balls of your toes and you kind of lean forward as you run. Did you know this? I didn't either. I do now. Wrong ways include heel to toe and you, it's like you're going through mud, right? And what's amazing about that is that running requires endurance. And it's not just, I'm just going to go out there and run. You've got to strength train your knees and your ankles and your core and all of these wonderful things that you're like, I thought I could just get out there and run. You can't. You've got to learn how to breathe I think it's wonderful that the Lord said it, the Holy Ghost fell like a mighty rushing wind. You got to get stamina. He said you're going to be known by how you run. And in fact, we see that in 2 Samuel. Go ahead, next slide. Then said Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king tidings of how the Lord has avenged David of his enemies. Now, the background of this story was that David's son, Absalom, had rebelled against David and had taken over the throne temporarily. And so David sent Joab and some of these guys and said, okay, I need you to fight, right, so that I can get my throne back. And this young man 
was desperate to run. And Joab, the leader of this army, said, you know, no, you don't need to carry this news. You can do it another time. You don't want to bear this one. This is bad news because the king's son is dead. We won the victory, but the king's son is dead. And so Joab told somebody else, you go tell the king. And he immediately went and ran. Now what's interesting about Ahimaaz is this next line where he said, but anyhow, let me, I pray you, also run. Ahimaaz had no good news to bring to the king about his son. He had no expectation of a reward. He had no, you know what, if I bring good news, the king's going to give me something good. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to get an extra prize. It's going to be awesome. Because this whole idea of the messenger brings bad news, well, get rid of the messenger. Like that's going to change the news. And if the messenger brings good news, well, give the messenger something good, right? And yet this young man was so desperate to get into the presence of the king. He was so driven. Please let me run. I've got to get there. I've got to make it to the presence. I've got to get to the throne. I've got to get to the king. Let me run. Let me run. There's no reward I recognize, but let me run. Next slide. And he said, let me run anyhow. And Joab said, go on, son, and run. And that man, that young man, Ahimaaz, said, not only am I going to run, he ran with fire. He outran the man who already had a head start on him so far ahead that he was the first one to make it and had to wait for the other man to show up. And what did the watchman on the wall say? I think the man in front runs like Ahimaaz. I can tell by the way he's running who that is. I can't quite see his face, but his form and how his, his feet are landing and his style, I can tell that's a Himaaz. He's a runner. He's an endurance runner. He can handle that. And it looks like that is happening. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the one. And, and as soon as that young man got into the presence of the king, what did he do? He fell down on his face and said, worshiping the Lord, blessed be the Lord your God. We have a victory. The first words out of his mouth, thank you. Look at how good God is. Look at what he did for you, David. Let me tell you about the testimony that I've got. I'm desperate to run. I've got to be in that presence. And now look at how awesome you are. And so what is my endurance and stamina when you're, when you're talking about that? That's tying in your passion. The Lord told Jeremiah, well, first of all, he said in Hebrews, wherefore seeing we are also combassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Remember, this is after the faith chapter where we see time and time again of, of people enduring through trial and through storm and situation and lion's dens and going through the Red Sea and all of these situations. He said, since we are compassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And it's not just a marathon. It's an ultra marathon where you're running 100 miles trying to get to where you're going. 
I got to make sure I've got the breath of God, the living water flowing through me, breathing it in. This is the rest. You got to have times where you let your body rest. And yet the Lord told Jeremiah, if you've run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, how are you going to contend with the horses? Because Jeremiah was saying, oh God, look at all these wicked people. They get the good stuff. They're not nice. Look at them. How long are you going to let them do what they do? And, and the Lord got a hold. He said, I'm impatient. I want to see them get their, their justice. I want to tighten it up. And the Lord got a hold of him and said, look, this is a footman thing. You're supposed to run with the horses. He said, I don't want you getting distracted by the people around you and what race they're running. You've got a faster pace to set. You've got to handle that. And it's amazing because he said, and if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how will thou do in the swelling of Jordan? The Lord is saying, look, Jeremiah, I've got a greater promised land ahead of you. Don't get worn out by the little circumstantial stuff that's happening here because I want you to run with fire and I want you to take over some wild places. I want you to go where it's, it's rich and lush and, and you've got to do some fighting and you can't afford to get caught up in the little stuff here. You can't allow yourself to be wearied by the little things. And I'll be honest with you, it's in the little things that we do get weary. Maybe it's just me. The day in, day out. Where I've had 12 meetings about the same situation and all of them could have been an email. Like one email. Not even 12 separate ones. Or if you had just talked to me in the hallway, we could have wrapped this thing up. You didn't even need an email. Don't even take time to press send. Just give me a call. And, he, and it's in those little things that, that just get at you and you're just like, ah, it's the daily struggle. I feel like I'm being buffeted. And he said, I want you to endure. How are you running? What's the pace you're setting? What's your endurance? Have you been training? Have you been training your knees? Have you been getting down, getting low in my presence, saying, Lord, help me? Have you been doing some weight lifting for your legs to say, you know what? I'm going to run. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to stand. After having done all to stand, stand. He said, I'm going to know you by your run, by what you do, how you continue on, how you endure your stamina. And, when, and I know this church has amazing stamina for us as individuals and then us as a body because how long do we bear with each other through whatever circumstance, whether with Brother David and Sister Sheena and Brother Tracy and the Keys family and Brother Tim. And I, I could go through and name again and again, and we have a long list of prayer uh, requests, not because we don't believe that the Lord is answering, but because we're willing to endure until we see his answer. Willing to continue on one step at a time, one day at a time, again and again and again. 
You say, but I'm tired. I understand, but I'm willing to endure. Let me run. Let me run. You say, I'm weary, but let me run. I'm so passionate to get in the presence of God. You say, but Sister Caitlin, I have nothing good right now to bring him. I'm in the midst of a trial and in the midst of a storm, and I feel like I'm barely able to make it in myself. But you know what? Once I get there, look at how good you are. Look at what you did. Because I endured to get there. I'm willing to do what it takes to get there. And last, he said, I want to know you. You're known by your works. This action in relationship. And what's important to note about this is that works by themselves don't do it. Because you can have works and not have relationship. I think I'm going to say that one more time. You can have works without relationship. But you can't have relationship without works. You cannot say, I'm in a relationship with God and I love him and he's my passion and I'm enduring and I'm willing to grow some things and not have it produce an action. Now you can do things and have no relationship with him. You ever gone to a restaurant and you're being served by the waiter? They're serving. They're giving. But if you call them up, Another day and said, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of sick in bed. Would you mind coming over and serving me some soup? First of all, how did you find my phone number? There's no relationship there. There's work, but there's no relationship. And now notice that picture. There's one, two, three, four, five people in that picture. So where the first two... Those were things that I do. I have to make some changes to produce some fruit for me. In my thoughts, my attitudes, my feelings. I have to be individually willing to run my race. I have to be willing to put one foot down in front of the other. But when I'm talking about my works, that's when I grab the, the hand next to me and say, let's do this together. Because it's not just about building relationships here, which this is our first and foremost, but it's about building them here. And so he said, James chapter 2, verse 17, so also faith, if it does not have works, and what are works? They're deeds and actions of obedience to back it up. By itself is destitute of power, inoperative or dead. And he said in Ephesians, his intention, then that's the Lord's, was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward the building up of Christ's body, the church, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith. He said this work process was so that together we're all working to serve each other and build up each other, and support each other, and grow with each other, so that all of us together attain oneness of the faith, in faith. 
And in fact, Jesus told Simon Peter in Luke, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, when you've had your time where you've realized I've got some growth to do, I've got some endurance to and stamina to establish, when you realize, man, I'm sold out to this, he said, I want you to turn around and strengthen your brethren. None of us are lone rangers for God. There's a reason why he said, I want you all to be as many parts of the body. It's still one body. He said, you're all of us. We all bring different assets to the table. And you say, is there a place for me? Yes. Yes. And I'm known by how I connect with those who share the place with me. You say, well, I just come to church and I just get fed. Well, you're missing out. I love you, but you're missing out. Because it's not just about here. Here is important. Here is the main thing. But I have to be able to build here as well. And I don't know what all of us are facing. I know each of us is coming here tonight with our own trial and our own difficulty and circumstance. And yet what's so wonderful about the Lord is he said, no matter where you are, I am there. And the more that we get to know him and let him know us, the more the world sees us as who we are, called, chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, chosen generation. And so if you need a touch from the Lord, we're going to stand and have our musicians come. I'm closing. But if you need a touch from the Lord tonight, you feel like, man, I haven't been growing some fruit in the way that I should, and maybe my endurance hasn't been the best, and I need to stop by at the water station and get some living water. Maybe I need something to refresh my soul. Maybe I need to cut back on some things. Maybe I need to work on growing some other things. Or, you know what, maybe I just need to connect a little bit more to the body. Sister Sheena announced we've got care groups. Well, I don't like a big thing. They're small. They're good. Whatever you have a need here tonight, I want you to know that the Lord can provide it. He can meet that need. And not only will he meet it, he'll go above and beyond with it. So long as I do my part. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to endure. And I'm willing connect to connect. Let's just come to the front. We're going to pray.